You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome into the podcast. I'm Kenny Ortiz. This is Theology for the Rest of Us coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida, from the great metropolis of Orlando, Florida, in the backyard of Mickey Mouse. So glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for being a loyal listener. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Just so grateful for all of you out there. This is episode 237, and I'm going to be answering a question related to something called replacement theology, uh, which I think uh, I think in a lot of respects is not a valuable term. Uh, it's a it's a term that people use, but I don't think it's helpful. I think it kind of misaligns the topic, and I'll explain that in just a moment. Um, did I say misaligns the topic? I meant to say maligns the topic. Sorry. Sometimes I use my M words improperly. Uh, anyway, so let's get to it. Uh, this episode is inspired by an email that I got from a regular listener. Uh, she asked to be kept anonymous so i'm just gonna call her it's gonna call her sally for for now um she says this hey kenny i'm wondering about replacement theology i recently discovered that my denomination believes in this and i wholeheartedly do not i believe that the jews are god's chosen people and always will be and that christians are grafted in i also believe that the land promised to abraham his descendants still belongs to the people of israel i'm shocked that my church does not believe these things especially since i never Never been taught any of these things from the pulpit or Sunday school or Bible study. And I'm a lifelong member and have always been very active. In fact, I also work for the church. And then she explains how she works for the church, but I'm going to refrain from explaining how she works for the church just to keep her position anonymous. She says, I discovered the church's official stance on this issue by accident when someone from another denomination asked me about it and I did some research. Uh, now uh, Now my husband... And I are trying to decide what to do. Do we be salt and light, even though this church does not believe one of the basic promises of God? Or do we leave? We are raising our children in this faith. So it's extremely important. What are your thoughts? Um, I uh, I really appreciate, first of all, to this listener, just the, the willingness to, to get my perspective. Um, I did do a few episodes in the past that I think would be valuable. Um, episode 138 and 139, I explained the differences between covenant theology and dispensationalism. I would encourage uh, both this listener as well as anyone out there um, to go check that out. In essence, replacement theology, or what, when people say replacement theology, what they mean is this idea that um, in the Old Testament, Israel was God's people. And that now the church has come and replaced Israel, and that Israel is no longer God's people. That's what's ca- that's what's called by some people replacement theology. Um, and there are some churches, some Christians that say no, we reject replacement theology. The Israel was God's people in the Old Testament, and they're still God's chosen people. And Christians um, have this separate covenant or separate agreement with God or separate relationship that basically. Um, this is a this is what we'd call a dispensational ideal idea. I talk about it in, in back in episode one thirty eight and one thirty nine. Dispensationalism says that God has Israel's has chosen people. He has a relationship with them. He has a covenant with them. And even though many of the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, the covenant with God still stands all the way up until today. 
and that the land of Israel belongs to them, and that God blesses the people of Israel in a special way, different than other countries because they they are his chosen people. Separate of that is this idea that God has a relationship with the church, and anyone who is a Christian who puts their faith in Christ is a part of the church, and God has his hand of grace on the church, and he has a certain relationship with the church, and of course, Christians are all over the country, not just in, all over the world, excuse me. They're not just in one country. I mean, then, of course, most dispensationalists would say that if a Jewish person becomes a Christian, that that Jewish person basically is able to exist in both groups, both the church, the Christian group, and the Jewish group, the ethnic uh, Israel group. Um, that is the dispensational thought. The opposite of that would be what some people call replacement theology, that supposedly... Um, now the church has replaced Israel. Israel's no longer God's people, and God only has one covenant, and that's with the Christians. Um, and so dispensationalists have, has, have labeled that replacement theology, right? So the, the, the dispensationalist says the church and Israel are separate and distinct, and very much the way this listener, this emailer has sent in this question uh, she may or may not realize that she has embraced dispensationalism. That her, her perspective, her theology is is rooted in what we call dispensationalism. Again, she may or may not realize that. Um, the opposite of that would be obviously different. That there there is there's not two separate groups. There is only one. The dispensationalist would say. You believe in replacement theology. If you if you do that, the church is replacing Israel, and you can't do that. That's wrong. So dispensationalists typically attack replacement theology as being flawed, um, and that is what this emailer is doing here. Uh, again, I want to say to the emailer, thank you so much for asking my opinion. I really appreciate you giving me an influence in your life, and you listen to my opinion. It's awesome. Um, I do want to let you know that I disagree with your your sentiment in your email, um, and I'm going to explain why in just a moment. Um, uh, you and I have differences of opinions. I hope that doesn't offend you. I hope you're not disappointed in me. Um, but I do feel the need. I always feel obligated to give truth, um, as best as I can. And I do believe that dispensationalism is not, uh, is not the, the best interpretation of the scriptures. And I explained that back in episode 139 extensively. So I am not a dispensationalist and I do not hold to dispensationalism. I hold to a different framework of how we view the scriptures that we call covenant theology. So I don't call it replacement theology because I think that terminology doesn't really explain it properly. I, I We call it covenant theology. Covenant theology quickly is this, is that God has one covenant with his people. God had a covenant with Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve broke that covenant and the fall of man started and the poisoning and sin of humanity started there and has continued all the way up till today. Um, but God kept his covenant with humanity and the covenant is simply this. If you believe in me, I will save you by yourself in your, in your own works or in your own flesh, you are unrighteous, you are sinful and you are not in right relationship with God. But if you believe in God and you put your faith in God, then he will forgive you of your sin and he will declare you righteous. He will invite you to have right relationship with him again. You know, um, humans 
we have a friendship with God. When we sin, we break that friendship. We fracture that friendship. But God says, if you will believe in me, if you will follow me and put your faith in me, I will forgive you of your sin and I will I will heal the fracture in the friendship. And I'll invite you to have friendship with me again. That is God's covenant. Believe in me and I will forgive you. I will make you righteous. It is a beautiful promise. Now, he has this promise all the way through the Old Testament before the establishment of Israel. He has this covenant with Abraham and then with Isaac and then with Jacob. And then with Jacob, he establishes the nation of Israel. Jacob and his children become the children of Israel. They become the, the nation of Israel, Him, them and their descendants. Um, eventually, there will be millions of them, obviously, the Jewish people. And God says, I have a covenant with the Jewish people. That anyone who is Jewish, you believe in me, you will be my people. I will forgive you and make you righteous. Now, God blessed the nation of Israel with a lot of blessings, and everyone in the nation enjoyed those blessings. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone was actually a believer in God. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes this very clear, both in Romans 9 and in Romans 11, and I would encourage everyone at some point to go back and read it if you can, and I would encourage my, our emailer to go back and read Romans 9, read Romans 10, Romans 11 while you're at it as well. That'd be great. But especially beginning part of Romans 9, where, where, where Paul makes it very clear, he says, not all of Israel was actual Israel. He's saying there were a lot of people that were Jewish. They were a part of the nation of Israel, but they weren't actually a part of God's people because they didn't believe in God. Paul's making the point that to be a part of God's people is not being Jewish or ethnic Jew. It's being a believer in God. And then Paul says, it started with the Jewish people as a nation, but now God is expanding the invitation. Eventually, originally, the invitation was only to the Jews, and if any person wanted to become, uh, if anyone who was not Jewish wanted to become a follower of God, they basically had to become Jewish first. They had to get circumcised, come under the Jewish law to become a God-fearer, as they called them um, in that day. They had to come to God first. The Gentiles would have to convert to Judaism. And Paul was saying, Listen, there are some people that are Jewish that are not true believers and they're not even they're not even in the covenant. And so if people are a part of us or not of the covenant, we're not we're not going to hold people to being Jewish. We're going to hold people to the main point of the covenant and that is faith. This is what Paul this is excuse me, this is what um, this is what God says to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says they believed God and he was declared righteous. And the apostle Paul quotes this and he talks about this in Romans chapter four. He says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, Abraham didn't become a Jew. He didn't follow the law. Um, he didn't He didn't do the things he had to do in order to be considered Jewish, to be declared righteous. He had to believe and he was declared righteous. Now, later he ended up taking on circumcision, but even before he was circumcised, before he did anything, he was already declared righteous. Paul is making the point in Romans 5 that in order to be declared righteous, in order to be declared a part of God's people, you must believe God. And it's, and what your what your ethnicity is is irrelevant. What your nationality is is uh, is absolutely irrelevant. Paul is making the point that God first started with the Jewish nation by blessing them and offering them salvation. Some of them chose to believe. Some of them chose to reject him. That's what Paul's saying. Not all of Israel was actual Israel. They may be national Israel. They may be ethnic Israel. They were Jewish or Israeli by descent, by heritage, by race, but they're not Israel by the spirit. 
Paul saying not everyone in Israel is actually of Israel. They were not of spiritual Israel. So first, covenant theology makes the point that God makes a covenant with his people, and then he establishes a nation out of those people, and within that nation, he offers everyone the opportunity to, to, to believe in him and to follow him. Many of them believe in him, many of them reject him and do not believe him. And Paul is making the point, the only ones that were truly in God's family to begin with, to begin with or at all, are the ones that actually believe. These other Jews that didn't believe, they're actually not even in the covenant at all. So they don't deserve any of the blessings and they don't get any of the blessings. They're not a part of the family of God at all. And then Paul says in Galatians, now God is taking the invitation and he is expanding the invitation to all of the Gentiles to come in and believe. You don't have to now convert to be a Jew to follow God. You only have to believe in Jesus. So it started with the Jewish people. Jesus comes to them, offer them salvation. Some accept it, some reject it. And then the offer gets expanded and the Gentiles are now offered salvation. And Paul says they're being grafted in, meaning they're they're coming into the family. They weren't originally a part of it, but they're coming into the family and they're going to be a part of it. And they're a part of it every bit as much as the Jews who, who believe they are now on equal playing field. In fact, Paul says in Galatians, there is now no difference between a Jew or a Gentile. He says in Romans, there is now no Greek, no Gentile, no Jew. Like there is no difference between a, a Greek and a Jew at all anymore. It is one group, one covenant, one church, the group of Christians, some are Jewish, some are Gentile. God says, this is my people. This has always been my people. The group of humans that believe in me, that's my people. Those are the ones that are forgiven and declared righteous. Jesus echoes these thoughts in John chapter eight. If you've never read John chapter eight, I highly encourage everyone to go back and read John chapter eight. Jesus talks extensively there about the fact he's talking to the Jews. He's saying, some of you, you yeah, you're, you're descendants of Abraham, but you're not even true descendants of Abraham. Abraham is not your father. The devil is your father. You say you're a part of Israel and you say that God's your father, that Abraham's your your forefather, but he's not because if, because if he really was your forefather, you would believe in me, but you're actually trying to kill me. You're doing what the devil does. So you're not a child of God. You're not a part of Abraham. You're actually a child of the devil and you're doing what your father, the devil does. You're, you have no part of me. You're not even a real Jew. Yeah, yeah, you're circumcised. Yeah, you're a part of the nation of Israel, but you're not even really a part of Israel. You're not a true Jew. It's basically is what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 8. The point is this. There is no replacement theology. God established his covenant with his people. We see this with Abraham. Then we see it expanded to the Jewish nation, and then we see it expanded to all of the people of the world. It's only one group. The group hasn't changed. So that's why when we use the word replacement theology, replacement theology leads people to believe that there's one group and then a different group comes along and replaces it. That is not what a covenant theologian believes. That is not what I believe. That is not what covenant theology espouses. So we reject the term replacement theology because there is no such thing as replacement theology. There's only one group. It was Abraham and his descendants, and now it's expanded to all the Jews and the Gentiles. And we are now grafted into that. There is one group. The covenant people of God are all of the people that believe in God. Anyone who believes in God and puts their faith in him is declared righteous. Anyone who does not believe in God is remains unrighteous because of their own sin. With all that said, because the people of God are not an ethnic nation, 
It's not Israel. It's the church. It's Christians. The, the, the church doesn't own the rights to any land. And so whenever we say things like, well, the people of Israel, they have the rights to the lands in the Middle East. Well, that's holding to a dispensational view, which in my opinion is contrary to Galatians and Romans and John. Um, I think it's contrary to the message of the New Testament that there is now no difference and no distinction between a Jew and a Gentile. Um, whenever we say things like uh, these are God's people, um, the Israelites are not God's people. Christians are God's people. And if the Israelites believe in Jesus, then they become a part of the group. See, Jews are invited in as well. Absolutely, Jews and Gentiles. Just because you're born Jewish doesn't give you special privileges or special blessings. Um, I do not believe that any person um, who is born Jewish has automatic heritage to spiritual blessings. No one inherits spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings and God's forgiveness and favor comes to you only by humbling yourself and trusting in him, trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Um, in my opinion to this emailer, with all due respect, um, I know that you and I disagree. I do believe your theology is slightly off here. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not trying to offend you. I just I feel the need to be honest with you and truthful. Um, I do not believe you need to leave your church. I do not believe you need to be salt and light to your church. I think it would be ideal for you. Maybe you go to, go to the pastor and elders and dialogue with them and have them explain to you why they believe what they believe. I do not believe this is a reason to leave. Last thought, I'll say this. Um, within the world of Christian fundamentalism, which I talked extensively about in episode 229, if you're not listening to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 229. Christian fundamentalism is the idea of having a very strict, literal interpretation of the scriptures. Dispensationalism really is birthed out of Christian fundamentalism. And the idea that Israel and the church are distinct and separate and that Israel is still God's people and they still have the rights to the land and special blessings that they inherit um, because of their nationality, that, that theology or those thoughts, um, they come out of a very strict, uber-literal interpretation of the scripture, which I believe is not the best or appropriate way to interpret the scriptures. Again, I explained this back in episode 229. I think there's a lot of scriptures that are much more poetic, that have some literary devices and have some nuance that would that would make it much more gray. Like the, the fundamentalists and dispensationalists want to be black and white. Yes, clearly Israel's this, clearly the church is this. But the reality is it's much more, it's not nearly as black and white as they make it out to be. Um, and what ends up happening is you end up taking a strict and literal interpretation of certain passages, which lead you to believe that Israel is separate and distinct from the church. And so when someone like me comes along promoting covenant theology, which was what most of the church has believed throughout the centuries, when we promote co covenant theology and say, no, 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 it's not Israel, it's the church, the dispensationalist or the fundamentalist comes back and says, oh, you're trying to replace Israel. That's replacement theology. Well, you see, it's it, that's that's not, accurate. that's not an accurate depiction. It's a flawed depiction of what we actually believe. 
Um, the reality is this covenant theology has been the mainstream Christian thought from the first century all the way up to the 1800s. The vast majority of Christians, pretty much all Christians, believed what I've basically just laid out and what I talked about back in episode 138 and 139. In the mid 1800s, this new idea called dispensationalism arose. Um, and a bunch of Christians today begin to believe it. Today, it, it's, it's rampant in the American church. Many Christians around the United States believe in dispensationalism, and dispensationalists will 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 accuse covenant theologians of replacement theology. And again, I think that is a an unfair accusation or a misunderstanding of what we actually believe. So again, I am not promoting replacement theology. I am promoting the theology that has been held by the majority of Christians all the way back through from the first century up till today for most of the last 2,000 years. Most Christians, scholars, pastors, theologians have embraced what we now call covenant theology. And that is that God has one group of people that he is loyal to. And that is the group of people that have chosen to believe in Jesus, that have trusted to put their faith in Christ and in Christ alone for salvation. That, my friends, is the group we call Christians. That's the group we call the church. Jewish people are welcome to be a part of the church if they believe in Jesus, but Jewish people do not receive any special blessings. They do not inherit any special blessings just because they're Jewish. The only way to have right relationship with God is through Jesus. Thanks to all for listening to this episode of the podcast. Special thanks to my emailer. Thank you for sending in that question. I I hope and pray that I did not offend you, but I hope that maybe this episode challenged you and inspires you to go do some additional research and to seek out uh, what the scriptures say about Israel and the church. To everyone else, if you have a question or a topic you want me to address in a future episode of the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Or you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.